Now, uh, will you turn with me for a few minutes this morning before we uh, uh, move on into the baptism to this chapter that we read together uh, in Luke, or Alistair read for us, Puz read for us in Luke chapter 1. And it's, uh, as we come to this time of year, we, we, we do tend to focus on the birth of Jesus. Uh, I think sometimes it's a shame that we leave uh, the birth of Jesus only for this time of year sometimes. Uh, uh, we can look at his birth at any time, uh, his life and his death and his resurrection as well, of course. But uh, for these next few weeks, uh, and we have cards that we're going to uh, give out this evening along with the bulletin sheet for the carol service and with an encouragement for people to come to these Advent services uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And it will be a theme that will follow through the early years of Jesus. And uh, this morning we're going to look at this chapter uh, where we are, I'm going to focus actually more on, not on Jesus this morning, oh well I am, uh, of course, but uh, by looking uh, at his, his mother as well, uh, because this is a passage very much about uh, the announcement of uh, the birth. Now we know, don't we, that uh, children, we've seen it this morning and we will see it later and uh, we know in this congregation, they, ch- they, do, they do trigger in us all kinds of emotions and, and deep longings. Uh, our whole kind of world goes upside down uh, with, with children in them uh, and sometimes without children in them, uh, longing for children and uh, not being able to have children. Uh, the, 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 the sense of loss or the sense of, of what we have, the love uh, that they trigger in our hearts, the uh, uh, anger sometimes that they trigger in our hearts as, as we parent, the, the concerns, uh, the memories, and as having been children ourselves, we, we, always made, we always retain that, don't we, that kind of childlikeness. There's something about us that we like to think is still young and uh, childlike in our lives. So children are very significant, and I think baptism reflects uh, much of that uh, from a, both a theological and also a, a, a practical and, and uh, cultural uh, reality in our lives that it reflects that desire at one level for our children's prosperity, for their peace, and for their fulfilment. And we know uh, as Christians that we, we channel that into uh, uh, prayer and into God's protection over them. Uh, and we, along with that, we also fear, don't we? We've got a little bit of fear of the world we're bringing them into uh, with, with all its discord and all its trouble and all its difficulties and we take and recognize their innocence and we're bringing them into uh, a traumatic and turmoil-filled world. And sometimes as grown-ups, as big people, we think we can cope. But we wonder sometimes how our children will or how they do and, and what it's going to be like for them, whether they're our own or whether they're the children we've taken vows for in the church or our, our relations or whoever it might be. But we give thanks and we rejoice today that this is the world that uh, Jesus Christ enters into. Uh, It's this world that the child Jesus comes into. And it's this world that Jesus comes to bring his blessing into. In verse 42 of this chapter, uh, and this is really what I'm going to focus on this morning for a few minutes, is the exclamation of Elizabeth, the cousin, the relation, the relative of Mary, uh, who Mary goes and visits when she's pregnant, and Elizabeth herself is pregnant in her old age, in her uh, beyond childbearing age. And when she uh, sees Mary, she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit 
of your womb. So right at the beginning of this Advent story, we've got the announcement from Elizabeth of blessing, that Jesus will bring blessing and that blessing will accompany what he has come to do. And we're going to look at that for a few minutes. We're going to look at the blessing of what it means. What, what, what does God mean when he speaks through Elizabeth here and this announcement of blessing? We speak about blessing quite a lot. We use the word quite a lot. Sometimes we use it in a non-religious context, uh, um, and we have different ideas and connotations of what that word means. Maybe if we were to do a straw poll and ask you all what you thought the word blessing meant, we'd have lots of different answers. Uh, but biblically, there's, there's also different answers for the word blessing, because there's different words. There's some different words that are used for blessing that the English translates the same way. But the word here uh, for blessing is the word... Uh, Eulogio, which uh, is the word we get eulogy from. So uh, it really just simply means um, uh, speak, speaking well. You know, uh, uh, eulogy is speaking well of someone. And that's the word here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that definition very tight and speak about that definition this morning in relation to uh, Mary and Jesus uh, In these remarkable events, Elizabeth says, uh, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That is Jesus who is to be born. So, blessed is Mary, and then blessed is Jesus. For a few minutes, we're going to look at that this morning. Elizabeth speaks well of Mary. Blessed are you. But uh, I'm not going to focus on Elizabeth. I'm going to focus on some words that Jesus, uh, or sorry, that uh, it comes from heaven, significantly from God, that is spoken of Mary here. Elizabeth speaks well of her, but also heaven speaks well of Mary. And uh, in the previous part of this chapter, which we didn't read, we had the birth of Jesus foretold to uh, Mary. And we have the angel Gabriel coming to her and saying, Greetings, O favored one, or highly favored one, the Lord is with you. And he goes on to say that again, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So these are the word, the, the spoken well words that come from heaven about Mary. That heaven says that she is highly favored, that she is blessed among women. Now, what does that mean? It's tremendous, isn't it, that God brings these words to Mary. You know, there could be no higher acclamation, no more significant um, uh, attribution of blessing that would come from our maker, from our judge, from the one who has the last word on our lives. Isn't that amazing? That the one who has the last words in our lives would say this of Mary. And what does it mean? What does it mean when heaven says she's highly favored, she's blessed, heaven speaks well of her? Does it mean that she was perfect? Did it mean she was better than anybody else who ever lived? Did it mean that she was faultless, that she was really morally brilliant, had nothing wrong with her, and that she earned and deserved everything she got because she was special among all other people in the world and that God just loved her and accepted her because of that? Well, can we look at the word uh, of God and the context here? Uh, because the, the blessing here that's spoken well of, the, the favor that is spoken, the favor of God that's spoken of here, is really speaking completely the opposite. It's saying that she was someone who was utterly dependent and was a recipient of God's lavish grace. God 
favored her with lavish grace. She had earned nothing from God. She, w- she had nothing. She was a, a, an uneducated teenage girl in Israel. Uh, she was to be pregnant uh, outside of marriage with all the stigma that would have been attached to that, even though uh, it was a unique event for her. But she was, uh, by her own definition and by her own confession, a sinner who recognized her need of a savior. My soul, she says, my, magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She was someone who knew God as her Savior and who at this point had simply trusted in the promises of the Messiah, the Messiah that was to be coming, the Messiah that she knew all about. I'll speak a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. So she was dependent on God's lavish grace. She was someone who knew that God was her Savior and that she needed a Savior uh, in her heart and in her life. And she was one who not only knew that, but she believed that. She believed that in her life as well. In verse 45, Elizabeth says of her, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She had this practical belief in her Savior God, and she lived out that belief. Um, I have no doubt that Mary uh, was uh, unusually insightful. I think for a teenage girl uh, of her time and generation, uh, it seems uh, unequivocal that she had uh, outstanding maturity spiritually, and she had a great insight, maybe even uniquely so. Um, But nonetheless, she not only depended on lavish grace, she lived out her trust and her humble reliance on God in her life. We see it in the response she gives to the angel. We didn't actually read this, but when the angel uh, comes to her and foretells the birth, we see that she uh, is humbly touched by what happens. She was told in verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of uh, greeting this could be. She was kind of uncomfortable by what was happening. In verse 30, the angel says to her not to fear. So she's obviously afraid by what's happening. And she's really maybe struggling a little bit, wouldn't we all? And, and she also questions, how can it be? How can this be since I'm still a virgin? How can it be that I will be with child? She questions what God is doing in her life. There's a, a humility uh, also about her accepting the impossible. You know, towards the end of that, she says, Behold, I am I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's this great reality that she is... She is living out her faith. She is trusting in God. There's clearly a, a morality and an obedience and a learning in her life. She's, she knows a great deal. Go on to say a little bit more about that. I'll give you another little hint. But she obviously knows a great deal, which again is probably quite unusual because girls of her age at that time and generation wouldn't ordinarily have been educated, particularly not in biblical truth. Uh, And yet she has a huge knowledge of this God that she goes on to uh, worship. And that's what we see not only in her response to the angel, but in her response to what the angel says. We have this glorious hymn, which is called the Magnificat. And it is magnificent 
from verse 46 to 56. It's written out in your Bibles as a hymn, as a chorus, uh, as a song. And this is her great response to God. And it reveals to us the kind of person she is. And it reminds us that not only did she believe and trust, but she knew her God and she knew her Savior really well. This is an amazing song. And if we looked at it, if we had more time, we don't have any time to look at it really today, but it is soaked, it's absolutely saturated, it's like a sponge hymn. It's soaked with, with uh, references to the Old Testament. Every, every sentence, every part of it, you could parallel. Maybe there's maybe uh, uh, 23 or 24 different references to the Old Testament in this, in this great song. Not direct quotes, but she clearly knew the God of the Old Testament that she is singing about and speaking about here. She knows his character. She knows his promises. She knows who he is. That's why she can trust in him. That's why she can believe the impossible. Because she knows who she is believing. She calls him in verse 49, holy. Verse 50, she calls him merciful. Verse 51, powerful. And verse 54, faithful. So you've got these great references to who God has done, uh, that he's mighty, that he's holy, that he's merciful, that he's strong, and that he has remembered his people. And this, this is a wonderful, theological, uh, insightful, knowledgeable teenage girl that we have here who knows her God personally and who knows the promises of her God. Now, I, I, I have no doubt that she believed and trusted that the one who was born to her would be the Messiah, would be the Savior. I also have absolutely no doubt that she had no knowledge of what that was going to mean. I don't think at any point at at this early stage would she have understood what it meant that her son would be the Messiah, the Son of God who would live his life and would die the death on Calvary. I'll say a little bit more about that this evening in our carol service. But yet she trusted, absolutely trusted that God was doing what was good and right and proper in her life. And so we see here someone who's blessed, someone who's absolutely blessed. What is the blessing uh, that she has? And what is it that we look for for ourselves and for our children and for we Callum uh, that we will baptize shortly? Well, we look for peace, don't we? And prosperity and fulfillment. But that's not what Mary had. Certainly not in a material sense, did she? And that's not at the root of the blessing we're looking for. While it may be part of it, certainly in this life it might be part of it, and we know it will be more fully in the life to come. But to be blessed is to be like Mary. To be genuinely blessed by the one who ultimately has the final say in our lives, the living God, is to need, like Mary, his lavish grace. That's what it is to be blessed, is to know and understand that we need his lavish grace. That's the most important decision and understanding that any of us will ever come to, that we see our spiritual need. Like Mary was able to say, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior, because we need need him spiritually. And we recognize uh, that we entrust ourselves to the truth, the truth of God as it's revealed. And like Mary, it seemed impossible. And for us, it seems impossible. How can I possibly believe today? It's such a secular kind of world we live in and everything's going against it. And yet, 
it's as we know. Mary knew, didn't she? The song just reveals how much she knew about this Old Testament God. Not, not head knowledge, not intellectual knowledge. She knew him. She knew him, in his, she knew him as the, the lavish, graceful God that he was in her own heart. And that is tremendously significant for us that we know. You know, when we struggle spiritually, it's often because we don't know God. We don't know his character. We don't trust him. We, we, we trust ourselves more. And yet here's this young teenage girl showing immense maturity in the knowledge she had of God. And can I say it's a huge challenge to us as parents for our children. Now, nothing is said in the Bible about Mary's parents. It's amazing, isn't it? Yet Mary's parents must have been great people because they took the time to spend with her teaching her about God, teaching her about the Old Testament, about the redemption and the the promises and the hopes and the fulfillments. This young teenage girl, tremendous knowledge she had, and it must have come from her parents. It It wouldn't have come from anywhere else. And what a role we have as parents to play uh, uh, in their baptismal promises that we make. What a role we have to play for our children, that we teach them and lead them and guide them. And you all have part of that role because you all take vows today to teach. I'm not speaking so much about intellectual knowledge and, and even theological knowledge, although that's ultimately what it is. But it's the knowledge of your life. Mary's parents must have lived out a great faith must have lived out this honest trust that they knew they had and they shared it with their uh, daughter. Amazing. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing we look for. We look for that uh, peace, prosperity, and fulfillment that is firstly and foremost spiritual, a relationship of love and uh, forgiveness and hope and a future with God uh, through Jesus Christ. So... That's Mary. Very briefly, and uh, uh, spend longer on that than I meant to. Uh, the blessed, the blessed is the child Jesus. Blessed, uh, Elizabeth says in verse 42, are you among women? And blessed is the fruit of your womb. In other words, blessed is the child Jesus. And again, I want to keep that tight refer- that tight description of blessing as it's given to us, well spoken of. And think of Jesus Christ as the one who is well spoken of. And he's, he's well spoken of in a way that's very different from Mary. Mary was well spoken of by Elizabeth and by God, who's highly favored, who'd received lavish grace. Jesus is not well spoken of because he needed a savior like Mary. He's well spoken of because he is the savior. Do you see the difference? It's a slightly different blessing that's given there. That Mary was blessed because she saw her need of a savior, but Jesus is the savior. And that's why he's blessed uh, he is God the Son. And he's God the Son who is born uniquely and who lives in poverty, and homelessness, and rejection, who left very little human achievement behind, who was betrayed, who was sentenced to death as a criminal, and yet who lived a life, short life, that was perfectly blessed, peaceful, prosperous, and fulfilled before God. He was never misguided. He was never selfishly ambitious. He never got anything wrong. And he was therefore well spoken of by God in a unique way. And if you just flick uh, to Luke chapter 3 to the next chapter in verse 22, we have that uh, where at his baptism, 
a voice from heaven comes and says, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So that's the blessedness of Jesus, that he's well spoken of by God. He's well pleasing to God, uh, and God has never been able to say that of any other person in this universe, not of Mary, not of you, not of me, however much we try to do our very best. He can never say, with you I am well pleased in and of your own self before God. It only could be said of Jesus because Jesus is the only perfect human being who ever lived. That's our Savior. He is our substitute. But there was one moment, there is one moment when Jesus looked for God's blessing, when he looked for God's favor when he was listening for the favor, the voice of God to say he was well-spoken, not, uh, not at his baptism, but on the cross. But on the cross, God said nothing to him. God had no words of favor for him. God had no words of blessing for him. God was silent. Jesus was forsaken on the cross. Why? Because he is there in our place. And he has taken our forsakenness and our guilt on his own shoulders. And he is dying in our place so that God can bestow on us blessing and favor and grace. So he can say of us who we, that we are truly honored and blessed. Not because of what we've done in our goodness and our best efforts, but because what Jesus has done in our place, lived this perfect life, and yet died in our place and rose again as the fulfillment of God's promise and as the one who has pleased God as our substitute and our Savior. And that's what baptism speaks of. Baptism speaks of that, the washing and the cleansing and the reality of our need of a Savior. We receive the fruit of his perfect life, and he takes our guilt and our sin upon himself so that we can know belonging, peace, prosperity, and fulfillment. Now, with all the battles and perfectly in the life to come. So, we come today to a baptism and uh, that baptism is uh, worked out uh, in uh, young Callum through the faith uh, and based on the faith of Ken and Chloe today, who, as parents, uh, know the blessing of God in their lives because of what Jesus has done. Because they too, like Mary, have received uh, and come to Christ for salvation and the lavish grace of God in their lives. They're not here today to be better than anyone else. They're not here because they think they deserve anything else from God, as none of us are. And they're not here because of their own goodness and their merits before God, but in the name of Jesus Christ, made clean, the price paid for their sins, and a new life that is had in him. A life that seems impossible to live, but by the grace of God and the provision of God. They recognize and they see and they know that in God's covenant grace, God's covenant mercy, that the promise of this blessing is a promise that they've received 
but that is made also to their children, to the children of believers. Acts 2.39 says that, that the promise is for you and for your children and for those who are far off. And there's this recognition that God works powerfully through families, that he provides this great recognition that blessing comes through family and through, we see it in, in Mary and her parents and uh, her great knowledge and trust that came through that covenant uh, of family to which she belonged. Now, what we remember also is baptism doesn't change Callum, doesn't save Callum. It isn't like we, we get him done and then he's fine spiritually. We know it's a symbol. We know it's a sign. It's a sign of promise. It's a covenant sign of what God has done in his parents and what God, we believe, will do through him because of the covenant of grace. What God will do is what our hope and trust is in, how he will work through them. And that as children, we believe and we hope and we pray and we live in the expectation that they will come themselves to that living faith that has been uh, symbolized to them through uh, baptism and through uh, their parents. So the great challenge, it's a great challenge, and it's a great privilege, and it's a great responsibility. It's great for all, for the children as they grow up to know uh, the privilege and the responsibility they have to uh, act on the upbringing and the knowledge and the covenant to which they belong outwardly. And it's a great burden, privilege, responsibility for parents, isn't it? What a great influence we have to example and live out not just great faith, but great failure. You know, parents, we need to be able to share great failure with our children, to show them that we're not super beings, we are utterly reliant on God's grace, and that we will, there will be times when we need to ask our children for their forgiveness and the humility of recognizing who we are before God. Times when we will need to show them that the life of faith is not the life of uh, relentless triumphalism and glorious deep knowledge, but times of doubt and fear and failure and mistakes, but that we constantly bring it all back to Jesus for his help and for his forgiveness and for his grace in our lives. And that is the blessing that we seek for ourselves and for our children, that peace and prosperity and fulfillment that is foundationally in relationship with Jesus, which is material outworking, uh, but in good times or bad. We look at life of Mary and look at life of Jesus. None of them materially had the blessings that sometimes we think should accompany favor from God. But yet they had this wonderful strong, powerful, humble trust in Jesus which uh, transformed them. And so, the question that I leave with you and with myself on the basis of this is how do we speak of Christ? Do we speak well of Christ? You know that word blessing, that's what it means. It's speaking well of. And of course, we long fundamentally and foundationally for God to speak well of us 
through his son Jesus. You know, with Jesus covering us, with Jesus our Savior, he will speak well of us. But also, do we speak well of Jesus as parents? Do we speak well of Jesus in our homes? Do we speak well of Jesus by our responses and our reactions and our thinking? Do we speak well of Jesus by our priorities and our attitudes to others, to money, to materialism? Uh, Do we speak well of Jesus to our colleagues? Do we speak well of Jesus as children? Uh, Do we speak well of Jesus by our lives, by our unspoken words, by our lives of faith and dependence on him? I hope and pray that as we challenge ourselves with his great truth and the person of Mary and the child Jesus, that we think of these things uh, today and the Spirit speaks to us. May that be the case. Amen. We'll bow our heads very briefly in prayer before singing. Father God, we ask and pray that you would uh, bless your word to us, that you would help us to understand its truth and its relevance and its good news. And uh, bless what we look forward to going on to do here in uh, Callum's baptism. May it be a blessing for us and for the family and for all who are here. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.